I want winners. I want people that want to win. All right. We Want Winners is back on this Sunday night. And I think it was kind of good that we went a little bit later than usual because the Philadelphia Eagles and Dallas Cowboys game is over. And Dallas kind of did us a solid. They don't usually do us solids. And they're actually kind of a hot team right now, too. They beat Philadelphia. So the Niners are now the number one seed in the NFC after beating Philadelphia last week and then Philadelphia losing in Dallas this week. So maybe for the first time in in my life, I I might just have to say thank you, Dallas Cowboys. Blah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, as I said on Facebook before the game, I understand the stakes, but under no circumstances will I ever root for <laughs> Cowboys or the Raiders. If they win, they win, and that's great. But I just assume I'd root for the, the Seahawks, the Giants, and the Browns <laughs> before I'd root for them. But like you said, they did us a solid. So, you know, my rooting doesn't have any you know, impact on the games anyway. So I damn sure I'm not going to root for them, but they won. And that's great for us um, that, you know, but I have to admit they look pretty good. I mean, they, <laughs> they are um, and, and in a way that is different than, you know, what they look like coming in to our game. I mean, they, they, you know, especially at their, at their place, they're like, they're like two different teams, you mm-hmm. know, on the road versus at home. Um, so, yeah, good for them. Um, sucks to be the Eagles. But, <clears throat> again, as I said on Facebook, you know, our fan base has such a short memory that, you know, it, you know, now they're done. But I remember it wasn't too long ago that there was another team in the midst of a three-game losing streak that looked like, you know, the sky was falling. So, I mean, we have to take all of that with a grain of salt, you know, that, you know, the fact that they are playing poorly, you know, we know a little bit about having a bad stretch. I mean, hell, it's hard to, you know, be play great for 17 straight weeks. So, you know, while – they are scuffling and then we as we've talked we talked about in previous weeks you know they the eagles haven't really like they've been hitting on cylinders all season but i'm not ready to bury them and think that well you know they're not a concern for us anymore i i just you know i've just been watching this game too long to, to to think that you know on any given Sunday, look, I mean, they're they're a talented football team, and you know maybe they get it turned around, and um, you know I don't know, but Cowboys look good. They don't look good. We look great, and we are the number one seed. Which for me, I mean, I don't. I think our team travels in terms of the way we play. I don't. I think we can you know beat anybody anywhere, but that extra week off is really what that one number one seed to me that's the most important part of it is even more so than the home field it's having that you know only having to win two games to get to the super bowl so 
yeah, I'm glad that we are in the catbird bird seat now. Now all we have to do is continue to take care. If we on if we, if we take care of our business, we control our destiny at this point. And if you look at the rest of the NFC, <clears throat> Lions of late, a little bit of a pretender status there. They lost again today. Scuffling. Mm-hmm. Um, the Vikings. <laughs> Had to pull Josh Dobbs uh, late in the game in a 0-0 tie. Uh, the Packers, they've won three in a row, and they're kind of sneaking up in that NFC North. But neither of those teams, the way that they are all playing right now, are even, to me, half as scary as either Dallas or Philadelphia. And if you go down to the NFC South, there is not a team in the NFC South who has a, a even an, a, a 500 record. Three teams, six and seven, and the pan the poor Panthers are are, are one and twelve. Uh, so you know you look at this and and it's like the Niners, Eagles, and the Cowboys are probably still the top three teams by a, a fairly wide margin. And like you said, the Eagles they need they're 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 basically going through what the Niners went through five weeks ago, and they're they're trying to figure that out and they're trying to get healthy. And you know uh, who knows J- Jalen Hurts himself. Is probably not. I mean, we we know he's not a hundred percent. You know, he he's too physical of a football player to be a hundred percent this late in the season. But he he's probably dealing with stuff as well that he needs to get healthy for. So, I, I would say <clears throat> nothing has changed for me in that Niners, Cowboys, and Eagles are still the teams to beat in the, in the NFC, and that is like. It's just so top-heavy right now in, in the NFC. It's like almost everybody else is kind of 500. Like, you look at the Seahawks, and we'll get to the game here in a second. Seahawks, they were 6-3 and three at one point in the season. They've lost yeah. four games in a row and now are 6-7, and seven, uh, tied with the Rams for uh, second in, in the West. So, And you didn't mention them, but... Watch out for the Rams, man. I mean, the Rams hung. They hung today with Baltimore. Aaron Donald looks like he's found the fountain of youth. And Puka and Cup and, you know, they they have some weapons. So I am not, you know, we've got a long storied history with them. And we played them the last game of the season. And and it could be a situation where it means a lot for them and not so much for us. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I... I wouldn't, I wouldn't um, count out the Rams, but like you say, I don't think they are in that tier with us. And right now, I, I don't think the Cowboys and Eagles are, are you know, they're a tier below us. With, you know, we're playing really well, and as long as, you know, knock on, you know, this is not wood. <laughs> knock on wood, we can stay healthy and um, – because that's you know I was listening I was I was listening to the game because I it was a ordeal getting back home but oh um, really so, so I was listening you know they closed the Vita for like an hour after the game but it it ended up being more like an hour forty five oh wow and then traffic on the way back was horrible but anyway. I got here. Um, so, but I was listening to Collinsworth and he was talking about how, you know, it's really is a game of attrition. And when you talk up, start talking about the playoffs and the Super Bowl and making predictions, 
you know, the first question you have to ask is who's going to be there? Who's going to be healthy? Um, so that's always of paramount concern is yep. that, you know, you don't, nobody tweaks an ankle or a groin and, you know, that can, as, as we saw last, you know, Nope, Rod froze there for a second. Let's see if he bounces back. There he goes. He's back. Wait, your uh, your volume is now off for some reason. Sorry. There you I go. I don't know what just happened. But, um, <laughs> yeah, you know, one injury can change the entire complexion. And we, we've seen that in several seasons. You know, the, the year that the Rams beat us, you know, Trent not being 100% you know, might have cost us a trip to the Super Bowl. And then, of course, last year. I thought we saw it today because Dre Greenlaw comes off the field and then he comes back on the field and the Niners get an interception and and they play a little pitch back. And Dre Greenlaw is like Roger Craig out there trying to cut back and (laughs) crazy stuff. I'm like, can you just fall down? Like, you just came out of the game because you were hurt. We need you, and you're and you're playing Roger Craig, trying to return a, a fumble or a pit, an interception, uh, you know, for some for some yardage there. So it's like, yeah, yeah, and you know, there there were other other moments. We saw Mooney Ward go out today, uh, which left the defensive secondary, I would say, a little bare in, in some instances. Uh, there there were moments where I was like. <laughs> is Drew Locke going to cook us? <laughs> and, uh, you know, thankfully the pass rush picked up in the end and, and he had, he had really no chance, but yeah, the, the injury thing is, uh, you know, it's always in the back of your head when you watch right. football, you know, in, in other sports, like in baseball, uh, pitching wise, you're like, okay, like that's something that where, where you kind of expect injuries to come from, from pitchers because it, Pitching is such a physically taxing thing to the to the uh, shoulder and elbow, but otherwise injuries happen in such fluky ways in baseball that they're not right. really predictable. In basketball, uh, you know, fluky knees and and fluky ankles, but you don't necessarily go that player. I can tell you when that player is going to get hurt because again, it's it's just so fluky stuff unless you know someone's re- really hurt often yeah who knows gonna who's gonna land on zaza's foot exactly exactly zaza's coming out on a three-pointer when does that guy ever come out on the perimeter in his life and uh and, and so in football at every on every single play you can think about an injury happening because it's so violent and, and and when now we'll talk about us being there at the game today we were both there Watching it in person and watching uh, the the lines just go at each other. How do guys, how do guys even come back the next day? Like my uh, my youngest was like, you know, CMC. How does he even walk the next day <laughs> after the pounding that he takes, hitting the hole, getting grabbed by giant linebackers and giant defensive linemen and all they want to do is fall on him like that is their way of bringing him down is dragging him and falling on him and so you know when you it's just it's just a crazy violent sport so the injuries are always going to be factored and which means like there's so much luck involved in who's healthy and who's not yeah and i mean um we had talked about 
a little bit about what are some of the things that um stood out um being there and to your point watching the um lines of scrimmage and those dudes i mean it's like you know 60 um car crashes i mean they're just running into each other and it's you know it's crazy um that you know they they do it and then they get up and they do it again and they do it again and um it's it's just wild to watch that <clears throat> that was one of the things that stood out to me but then also like the speed of our defense these those guys are so fast um flow into the ball and it's it's crazy that you know teams don't try more misdirection because it's we've just we flow so fast um that you really it's hard to outflank us um that was that was crazy to like to get the feel for it live and then you know Debo that dude (laughs) he just accelerates and I mean I mean, okay, he's not Tyreek Hill in terms yeah, of yeah. how, you know, it, it's crazy to watch Tyreek Hill on TV, how he's, like, standing still, and then he just, like, creates this, this huge separation. But Debo's not far behind. Like, guys don't catch, you know, guys don't close the distance on Debo. They, you know, they, you know, he just kind of pulls away from dudes. Um, and it's so funny because he's, he looks like he's kind of stocky. But he is, you know, dudes just don't run him down. It's crazy. You know who Debo is reminiscent of when he does have the football? Now, these these two receivers that I'm going to compare are, are very different in, in the way that the 49ers utilize them. But, you know, they always used to say Jerry Rice without the football is, well, you know, just wasn't a super fast receiver. Mm-hmm. But you put the football in his hands, and he was, you know, almost the fastest guy in the football field. And that that's Debo, too. Like, when you're watching Debo run a route, you, he doesn't impress you with his speed. Mm-hmm. But when he catches the football, it's like he's able to take it to a secondary level, uh, and which, is, which is crazy because he is so compact at the same time. So to see a guy... Who's not, you know, he doesn't have the sprinter's body. He's got like uh, a more squat built strong body. And yet he can still run as fast as he can with the football. So, uh, yeah, I I told Rod before we started, I was like, you know, let, let, you know, think of some of the things that you saw or that stood out by watching live. The, the, the way that. See now, I wouldn't have been able to tell this on television. I don't think CMC play was it play one or play two? Two, I believe. Play two might have been. It might have been the first play. Might have been the first play. Mm -hmm. He goes like seventy some odd yards, and Seattle is like, "Oh my god!" Like this is the it just kind of smacked him right in the face. And so what they did, and this is pretty much for the majority of the game, is I watched how their defense was going to attack the Niners. And what they did was, you know, they were spying C-Mac, or CMC uh, something fierce. But what they were also doing is they were relying on their pass rush and trying to shut down everything short. 
And so after the first two or three series, because after the first series, Brock, uh, it took him a couple of series to kind of get back in sync passing the ball. That Shanahan, you would think you're like, oh, man, you know, CMC goes 70 yards in a play. And then they score on uh, JP. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, let's just run it down their throat. Because <clears throat> what happened? Shanahan's like, nope, we're going to run our offense. We're going to throw the ball. Like, I think the second uh, second set of downs, I don't think he ran once. It was like three passes and punt. Mm-hmm. And so I'm watching the defense and I'm thinking, okay, I see what Seattle's doing. And I think the Niners can open up uh, by you know, play action or just throwing over the top because Seattle was so dependent on their pass rush, getting to Brock and trying to shut down the short passing game. And it was effective for like the first quarter, uh, maybe even into the second quarter, I thought. And then they started going over the top and making them uh, be a little bit more faithful to, to covering the entire field. But that's one thing that I, you can't see on television because you're not necessarily able to see the entire defense and the mm-hmm. way that they set up. So that was really cool. Uh, I guess the other thing, just how in sync uh, Brock and Ayuk are on those timing routes, like there, they did mess up on the interception. On the interception, and uh, there were two passes that that were that were this way. Actually, the opposite of each other. So on this play, BA uh, BA runs. I don't even remember the route, but he sits and he's kind of in in a spot where he's wide open, and Purdy throws it as if he believes that that Ayuk is going to keep going. And so then Ayuk dives, he deflects it, and it gets intercepted. And then and then later in the game, uh, Purdy threw a route to Debo where Debo kept going, and he threw it thinking Debo was going to sit. So that stuff, just knowing how great they are at that and then seeing them kind of screw it up a couple times, that they don't usually screw that stuff up. In the game, I, I would say in the Minnesota game, Maybe they did that a little bit more, but how in sync they are usually and on that timing stuff has always been fascinating to me because I'm just like, how, do you guys just read each other's mind? Like, what are you what are you doing? Like, you're reading the defense, obviously. So the wide receiver sort of has to read the defense like a QB on on that stuff. But whenever Purdy was in need of anything, it was like, where's B.A.? And he's just finding him. And you know, BA, you know, BA didn't have a perfect game. He he caught a great pass and then was stripped as he was going for the end zone or going near the end zone. But still, like he's still you watch it and it's like he's Purdy's number one guy. He's the ace in the hole whenever they need him. And then their chemistry is just uh pretty is it's just pretty great to see. Yeah. It's um it really is. And one one thing that I kind of noticed that I didn't remember from the last time I was at Levi's it's almost perfect watching because you got the big screens yep and you can watch the coverage um you can see the the only downside to the in-game experience is you can't replay if yeah. it was somehow that I <laughs> even just on my phone and the internet sucks by the way <laughs> in the stadium um but i you know if you got 70,000 people trying to yeah you know access it i mean i guess there is a um you know point of diminishing returns but that it was great like you you had mentioned to be able to see the coverage and then 
if you wanted to watch, you know, kind of like watching at home, the screens are huge. So you could do that too. And that's what I would kind of do. I kind of see the formation and then I'd go to the screen to see, you know, I don't know. That was just how I did it. But there were times where I wish I could run it back and be like, who did what? Um, So, yeah, that was, you know, that was what I had forgotten about. And most, and a lot of places aren't like that. A lot of places don't have the big, huge screens um, like there, you know, and I I guess because it's, it's old. um, I remember when I was in Mexico city, that was, they didn't have any um, big screens. um, So, which I guess they say they're doing that um, because they're going to be having world cup games in 2026 too. And they're doing like this whole big remodel, which is one of the reasons they didn't, have any nfl there this year is because the stadium is closed but um yeah so that was cool to be able to i really enjoyed um everything about levi was it was um i hadn't been the last time i had been was Mm -hmm. pre-pandemic so this was the first time so it was it was great i really enjoyed everything all except for the (laughs) the the transportation part of it, yeah which is not it's Levi's hard. fault it's hard um that it's not their fault but yeah the the everything the food was good the lines were kind of long but they moved quickly yeah um to get your food and stuff um I didn't use the restroom so I don't know how that's what that situation was like but it was I thoroughly enjoyed it um and you know we got a real you know a pretty clean game so yeah. it was it was good so the um I was thinking of something that you had said that it kind of jogged my memory. Oh, the replay situation, you know, in five years, you know, maybe you go to an event and you got your Apple VR headset <laughs> and you just you you're kind of recording the game as you watch it and you just kind of go to the thing and you can watch your, your replay. That'd be dope. Uh, yeah. Um, overall, I would say, and th- th- this is what I said on the preview, which I, I, I do the, I do, I try and do the Saturday night, Sunday morning preview in our podcast feed. So I don't do it on YouTube, but I do it on our podcast feed. It's a, it's a little short thing. It's mostly just an injury report kind of, kind of thing that I do. And I said that this game reminded me a little bit of the Tampa Bay game in that, you kind of know that Tampa Bay is not 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 a great team. Um, you know they're 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 average and maybe maybe not even average. And so they come into to Santa Clara, and you expect the 49ers to win the game, and you expect the 49ers to win the game even if they are not playing their a plus game. They come off of the week of just dominating the Jaguars, kind of get them back into gear and they come back and they host the bucks and, you know, they kind of play down to the bucks level for a little bit until the talent just uh, was too much for, for Tampa. And I sort of felt the same way going into this game. And then uh, as we are heading towards the, uh, the stadium, 
get the news that it is 100% Drew Locke and no Geno. And now you know what a starting quarterback in the NFL means to the betting line because it went from 10.5 to 14 or 14.5 or whatever on the point spread. And I thought, oh, okay, this is better. I feel better about them winning. But at the same time, you're preparing for a certain guy and you're preparing for what Gino does from his strengths standpoint. And nobody has seen Drew Locke play football in a couple years. And so that could have an effect on, on you know, how they game plan, the defense and everything. And I, it, I thought, you know, I thought it did for a little bit. But he was it, not bad early. No. Uh, so my my son was talking <laughs> about picks. He he was looking at the picks as far as like what the betting, you know, what the uh, odds were for an interception. And he's like, ah, oh, you know, I think he said it was like minus 220 for a Drew Lock interception. I said, well, what about two? Because I think if the Niners get a little bit of a lead and then Seattle's got to throw in the fourth quarter, I think there's an opportunity for them to get two. And then I, and then I said, and I, you know, there's an opportunity for them to get a pick six here, just the way that the game may lay out. Now they didn't get the, the pick six, but they did get two interceptions. He was fine for, I would say uh, fine. Meaning he did not kill them mm-hmm. in a way that some backup quarterbacks can. Uh, he, he targeted DJ Metcalf, DJ DK Metcalf and on, on a really great throw in the corner of the end zone near where I was sitting, actually the viewpoint where, where I could, I could see it uh, snuck it, but I think he snuck it by Ambry Thomas who kind of like mm-hmm. turned late. Um, and you know, he, he was, he was dinking and dunking and there's a couple of plays where the 49ers missed a tackle. Uh, I think I want to say it was Charbonneau Charbonnet. He uh he had he had Dre yeah yeah he had Dre uh, on skates Dre looked like he was breakdancing he moved the wrong way and he got he he and uh, Charbonnet Charbonnet got a nice gain so there were opportunities but that like you know, like you said it was pretty clean and then is especially clean in the second half where they kind of at least defensively they cleaned it up uh, the I would say the the most impressive thing defensively was in the fourth quarter, you see how the Niners defensive line just wears on these teams because Seattle did a pretty good job. I thought, cause I, I had a lot of I, my eyeballs were on Bosa just about every play. And, you know, he's just always coming, always coming, always coming. He's just trying to push that tackle into the backfield as much as possible. And then when he's able to plant and if he can get to a spin, that's where he's getting really, really close. And they did a really good job on him until he just wore his guy out and finally he did get, I don't know if he got the sack. I'll I'll actually look at the box, but he and Kinlaw collapsed on somebody. I mean, collapsed on, on lock on one of those plays and who got credit for the sack. So Bosa got had one and a half. I think he had one zero yard sack. Mm -hmm. And so he got credit for half and Kinlaw got credited for half. And then, Gregory also got a zero yard stack. I also he played a lot. He played way more than I realized. There was even moments where I was like, "What? Randy Gregory's in coverage? What's going on here?" Mm-hmm. And I also saw lots of uh, Chase and Bosa rushing from the same side, which yeah. I, I I didn't realize. I mean, it's possible that it happens, but 
you know, just being there, you see that you're like, oh, 92 and 97 on the same side, both on the inside, Chase on the outside. So it's just cool stuff like that that you could see when you're at the stadium. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it was it was interesting to to see those those type of things. Um, you know, and I really enjoy being able to see the coverage um, and to see you know how much they how much movement they have and whatnot. And yeah, my guy, um, Oliver, he's a problem, man. (laughs) I I just, I don't know. It's, um, (laughs) I just, I, I wish we could figure out a way that he didn't have to play, um, nearly as much, but you know, it is what it is, but yeah, it was, um, it was very, very interesting. Brown had a, a really, um, Good game. His uh, best game, for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He had an interception. Our guy, Ronnie Bell, struggled again. <laughs> um, yeah, that clip was – that was unfortunate. Um, so, so the guys who watched it on TV, they said that he slipped into the <laughs> – into the block that 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 didn't look like it was his, his intention. He actually kind of just tripped and and went down. Uh, I couldn't tell. Mm-hmm. We saw that we saw the replay on the screen, but without hearing any of the commentary, I couldn't yeah. tell. But yeah, that was because man, money making Mitch just takes off. I don't even know if it was a was it a called fake punt? I it it looked to me like he just the the rush just got him. Um, got there pretty quick, so I don't I don't know if, but it just opened. It parted like the Red Sea, though. I mean, he had um, it was like nothing but clear sailing, and he um, he so he had a, he got a little bit of scoot to him. Um, oh, money, Mitch. Yeah, and yeah, but yeah. So yeah, I don't know. That would have that would have been a real nice um, a nice game there that you know we that got kind of. You know, taken away by that unfortunate penalty. There's a, I want to say Barrows had a comment about it after the game was over. Uh, he wrote, Wish, uh, Wishnowski said he saw a sea of green and just went for it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so what did you think of, uh, late in fourth quarter DK and Fred, I'm sure they were chirping at each other all game long. The Fred gets the interception. He's trying to, you know, make a play and just, instead of just falling down, <clears throat> Niners were clearly in the lead there. And at the end of the play, cause I didn't see any of this live cause, uh, it, but it looked like m- maybe during the return, uh, DK, as he was trying to tackle Fred, and then Fred uh, let you know handed the ball off to to Dre. I guess he kind of slammed him on the ground, and then as the play was going on, I think Fred kind of went after him and uh, hit him hit him with a in the back or something. That that's how it was explained to me. But then, uh. DK gets in his face and Fred's kind of got his hands up as if to say like, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. 
And then DK, like, two-hand shoves him in the face mask, gets kicked out of the game. Demo, I didn't see what Demo did. but I, I was just going to say, I did not, I didn't see anything. I didn't see what number two did to get thrown out. Um, and like you say, I recounted just like you did. I didn't see any of that live. And then, I don't know if I wasn't just paying attention, but I didn't see anything leading up to the two hand shove the face. What they showed on the screen was basically just him <laughs> pushing him in the face mask. Yeah. And that was it. So I didn't really get to see any of the, you know, the, the, the preamble to it. I just saw the act and clearly he should have been thrown out. And I don't know. I don't, I still don't know what Demo did to, you know, to um get the ejection. So it looked like, okay, so I'm actually, I'm actually watching this. And you know what? Maybe I can actually share this. No, do, do I want to risk getting in trouble with YouTube? <laughs> okay, I, I'll explain it. Um, this is from the Fox. Uh, I think it's shared from, from the Fox Sports Twitter uh, Twitter account. So so they're, they're replaying the play. And so Fred, he's got the ball and he tosses it. As he tosses it to Dre, DK gives him the same suplex that uh, that um, uh, Dre gave to uh, what was the receiver from last week? Uh, Smith. Smith, yes, Devonta Smith. So then, as he suplexes him, they throw the flag on on uh, on DK, and then DK is uh, a- after he suplexes Fred, he's still on the ground, and then Fred goes after him and hits him in the back of the head. And then when he hits him in the back of the head, DK gets up and he grabs Fred's face mask. And that's when Fred does the, uh, wasn't me, wasn't me. Uh, so yeah, you know, a little bit of an instigation there, but you know, DK did, did throw the first suplex and, and Fred retaliated and then DK retaliated again. But uh, the reason why I brought it up is because if you're DK Metcalf, you know, you are undermanned against this 49ers team. You remember the days when you could go toe-to-toe with the 49ers, and these last two games, the first one being on Thanksgiving and then this game, he just doesn't have the guys anymore to to battle against the Niners. So I, I could see the frustration just kind of happening because he's still making excellent plays. And then there was uh, the fourth down play where – I forgot who got the interception, but it was called back because Bosa jumped. But it was like a bad throw by Locke, and he was, you know, he was under uh, under pressure, and and Locke needed to throw a jump ball so DK could kind of use his athleticism. He just underthrew it, and so I could just sense Metcalf was kind of just frustrated, and so that kind of bubbled into what in, into the skirmish at the end of the game. But you know, like. For a guy like him, he's very proud. He's you know he knows what it's like to win uh, for in, in there. So he, I could sense that frustration. But that's what I, that's what happens. Like now, the Niners are the team. Seattle used to be the team. You know, the Rams used to be that team. Now it's the Niners, and and so yeah, it you know when when you when you're there and and you kind of remember what it was like, and oh, there was Russ, and now you got now you got Drew Locke. It's a different ball game, man. I think you're on mute again. 
it's funny that you mentioned that um because you're right 100 that you know in the last 10 years actually all those teams in the nfc west have cycled through at some point you know cardinals were good seattle was good the rams were good you know we're you know it it just happens and it's you know it's it's a cycle and they are in a a bad patch right now. I mean, and not bad necessarily because they were what they were six and three at one point. So I mean, it's not like they're a terrible team. Um, but just like any team, you get a bunch of offensive line um, injuries, and then of course your quarterback gets hurt. It's hard. It, it really is hard. And I mean, they've you. Know, I that was one thing I noticed today is that you know. DK is still, you know, a top-notch receiver. Lockett is still really good. Charbonnet is, you know, is up and coming. Um, Kenneth Walker was back. So, I mean, they've got skill position players. It's just, you know, if you can't block it, and then in this case, if Drew Locke is the quarterback, and, and, and to be fair to him, he did some really good things, but, you know, he – didn't know until you know like an hour before the game that um he was going to be playing so it's just it was a bad you know couple all of that on their side with the fact that the 49ers are just really good yeah um it was a bad mix for them so like you say i can understand their frustrate his frustration but you know then obviously you, you can't be suplexing people uh, <laughs> hitting people in the face mask either so yeah yeah he he kind of let he, he, i think he, he probably knew when it came to the suplex he's already gonna he's already getting the penalty so uh he's like oh, <laughs> get his money's worth yeah let's let me get out of here like this is not mm-hmm. fun yeah uh, all right let's look at the uh the score and in, in the box and such here I had uh, tweeted out on the BSPN Media Twitter account that there was an outside chance that if Seattle made it a little bit much, a little bit more of a closer game, that Brock could go for four hundred. This dude threw for three hundred and sixty-eight yards. Yeah, thirteen point six average, nineteen for twenty-seven. He did get sacked three times. I was a little worried as he was taking some hits too. Uh, had the one interception, the tip ball, uh, really, uh, he may have thrown, I, there were three passes that, you know, he probably wants back. There was a couple of others where he had a, a sliver of space and and he actually did, did make it. They were a little risky, but another really good game for Brock watching him live. Does, does Anything of what you see on television, does it change your your mind in any way? I mean, he is just really decisive and gets the ball. He's, you know, and like you say, it's one of those things, like you were saying earlier, it's one of those things where if they aren't on the same page, he can, you know, and I don't think it's just that that is, um, you know, just, it, it, that is um that, that that's a brock just something that is um that brock has an issue with this it's all quarterbacks when you're making anticipatory throws if you guys aren't on the same page you know it's easy for somebody to look bad and i think he had a couple of those as you mentioned where 
he might want it back. Or I, you know, I have no way of knowing who was right or wrong. Um, but what I did notice is that he is very um decisive when mm-hmm. he when he sees it, or even before he sees it, um, he is he'll let it rip. And um, like you say, if the receiver or if he reads it wrong or the receiver reads it wrong, you know, it can it can make for um you know a bad look. But overall, man, he really um he throws the ball well, and he Kyle dials up a lot of really, you know, he, a lot of layups, and he doesn't miss them. He he really doesn't miss those layups when when the dudes are wide open, he hits them. And I mean that's, you know, it sounds simple, but you see it, you know, if you watch a lot of football, you say it's not, you know, the dudes miss them all the time. So the fact that you know you can pretty much count on him hitting them it's you know that is really really good i mean you look at the box score man and well we got three guys you know averaging over 20 you know 20 plus yards (laughs) per reception that's crazy and then (laughs) you you add cmc in there with you know nine yards per carry and again again a lot of that was that half of that is that one run but still i mean it's it it was a pretty impressive um offensive performance all the way around the thing about brock to me <clears throat> now he he you're never going to say that he has any any we're close to the arm of say a, a herbert or you know we talked about trevor lawrence before watching trevor mm-hmm. lawrence play he doesn't throw the football like that. Like those guys have much bigger arms, but his arm strength is much more formidable. I thought live than, than I see on TV. Sometimes on TV, those balls kind of look like Flutter. there's a lot of air underneath them. Mm-hmm. And there's one specific throw to Debo on a, on the touchdown pass today where my kid turned, turned to me and he's like, Jimmy doesn't make that throw. And I was like, yeah, Jimmy probably overthrows Debo by like five yards. Um, Because not only did he need to throw it uh, a little bit of a distance, but he had to put touch on it uh, so that Debo could kind of just catch it over his shoulder like he's like Willie Mays and playing center field. And Jimmy has the arm strength to get that ball out there, but doesn't have the touch on on the deep ball to make that play as often as Brock can. So that was, I thought that was impressive. I thought it was in a very impressive throw. He had to step up, I think, uh, a little bit to, to make it. And just, uh, just that, that, that to me is like, okay, like my concerns about the arm strength, uh, not completely alleviated, but I just, every, as I watched him live, it just made me feel a little bit better. Because sometimes, you know, and this we 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 did this with um, Alex Smith had a strong arm if he threw a perfect football. Alex Smith did not always throw a perfect football. A lot of times mm-hmm. that ball's coming out of his hand sideways, right? And so you'd watch him and you'd go, okay, he needs to make this throw and he needs it to be a, a strong throw and something the wind the rain something would cause him to 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 not 
be on uh, on target. And I worry about that with Brock, and it's probably mostly because of that Cleveland game where he was not having a good time throwing that wet football. But other than that game, I'm just uh, I'm pretty confident that his throws are going to be on the money, and he's not going to make a wild throw that is like nowhere close to where the receiver is supposed to be and you know and so so i think that even watching that live made me feel a lot better about that yeah i mean the the fact is you know you see it in training camp when he's not he's not an elite he doesn't have elite tools he just doesn't but he has an adequate his arm is plenty strong enough to make all the throws and i think um, what he lacks in actual arm talent, he makes up for with his anticipation. Um, and his, I don't, I don't even know what you would call it, but he, you know, he is very, um, I'm not saying confident in his arm, but he's very decisive. That's the word I'm looking for. Very decisive about where he's going to go with it. And he is, I, you know, he's confident in himself. I think that was a big thing with like Jimmy is I don't know that he believed he could make the throw. I mean, he had the te- clearly had the talent to do it, but you know, he seemed reticent to make those throws. Then you talk about Alex is just, he was just so um, risk averse that, um, he, you know, there were a lot of times, you know, him and Jimmy would, wouldn't, there were throws that they just wouldn't, even look at whereas it doesn't seem that Brock is affected in that way at all. I mean he he will um go out there and um you know pitch it and you know I, I guess I, I keep re- referring to the the Iowa State guy that I <laughs> was talking to that you know he's got a little YOLO aim and, and and I mean in a good way. Um so yeah it's I, I think he has a plenty um strong enough arm and then you couple that with the 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 skill of his playmakers i think you know he 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 can get it then i don't think that the deep pass is ever gonna be like his forte like you know he's not like marino or you know elway he's like like those kind of deep passers but you know if it's there he can he can go get it and he can Mm -hmm. put it he can put his receivers in a position to make plays. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's talk about MVPs uh, of the game. Uh, I think the offensive one, I mean, there are three standout. That was tougher for me. Three standout players, <clears throat> uh, uh, you know, w- not even naming Brock. I mean, and, you know, if Kittle gets the ball a couple more times, he's probably there because he had a, a really great touchdown, too. But CMC, 16 for 145, 9.1 average, 72-yard uh, play to open the game. Uh, Debo, 7 for 149 and a touchdown. And he also had a rushing touchdown. And a BA, 6 for 126. And then Brock, 19 for 27, 368. I lean towards Debo. I really, really think that when he gets cooking, the offense just has the ability to go to a different level. And uh, so I'm going Debo for my my guy on the offense. That is where I went if JP doesn't poach CMT's <laughs> touchdown. If he just scores once with 
that big run and his totals for the um for the day if he gets one touchdown i think i it would have would have swung the day for me but um deep and then like you say if george just had a few more targets you know that 20 um at 25 um his receiving average is pretty impressive but i went debo too yeah yeah i think that's right defense is a little harder because defensively uh they were a little bit more bend but don't break than usual uh and it really picked up late where the pass rush just started to to get to to lock uh but if you want to talk about turnovers uh, you had uh, Brown and you had Warner with interceptions. Uh, when it comes to sacks, Nick had 1.5. Kinlaw had a 0.5. Randy Gregory had one. When it comes to uh, passes defended, Demo had two. Quarterback hits, Nick had two. Uh, tackles, Fred had eight. Your boy, Isaiah Oliver, had seven. So no, no real, real standouts that you know you can necessarily point to, but the one, a person I'm going to give it to, and this may be just like a, I hope that this kind of kickstarts his rookie season, but I, I you know, I, I'm going to give it to Brown because I think, you know, I saw a couple Hufunga jerseys in that stadium, and I almost forgot that he got hurt, like just the the defense has so many playmakers and you forget that that's a guy. And so for Brown to come in as a rookie and have to take the spot of Hufanga, who, you know, he wasn't having as good of a season as, as the year before, but I think he can't, he he's, he had the first game where he looked a little shaky on the tackles. He played better last week, obviously in, in, in the domination there. And I thought this was his best game. So I'm going to give it to the Rook. I thought that was a nice – I think that the, the defense kind of – they got behind him when he got that interception. It was almost like, okay, you, now you're coming up to speed with the rest of us. Like, that. That that's a great play, and, you know, keep bringing it. So I'm going to go – I'm going to go Jair. Sounds good. I went Nick just because he kind of filled up the box score with the one-and-a-half sacks, the tackle for loss, the pass defended – and the quarterback hit, you know, so that was, it was, I, I just think him and Fred, you can give it to them, either one of them, just about each week. I mean, so, um, but I went with Nick. And we can go with Nick almost every time anyways, and 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 be completely right on on who the, the most valuable player of, of the offense or defense is. He's, he's never really, you can never really go wrong with him because, you can't keep your eyes off of him, especially mm-hmm. live. I just could not watch anybody else from uh, from play to play. So yeah. it's a good one. Uh, okay, so the Niners next week, they uh, they play Arizona in Arizona. It is a one one oh five start. So uh, I have to check with the the uh, Twins basketball schedule as far as when we go for our show. But I will let folks know. Now here's the big one. What do we do on Christmas? Yeah. Um that's going to be interesting. Um because <laughs> I you know, I um uh, my brother's here but you know, we usually eat early so 
I know I'll be available, but I know, you know, depending on your family. So I am, I'm with you. So whenever you're ready, um, I'll be ready. The interesting one for me is going to be New Year's Eve because mm. not for any other reason than um, I have to, if that's a Sunday, um, we're going to, but my dialysis center is closed Monday, which is my normal day. So I'll be dialyzing Sunday through the game, throughout the game. So I'll, I'll be watching. The only thing is I get done at like two, which is probably right when the game is over. Yeah. So it, I just need to get home. So it, you know, we'll probably yeah, yeah. just, just back it up, you know, like a half hour or so to give me time to get home. But it shouldn't be, you know, a long time. I, I'm normally out of there by 2.30. Um, takes me about 20 minutes to get home. So by 3. But I know that's way down the road. But yeah, <laughs> Christmas is going to be very interesting, you know, based in, in completely based on your schedule because I will be available. Yeah. I, Christmas, I'm, like, I'm super excited for that game, by the way. <laughs> I'm super scared of that game. The yeah. Ravens just they are for whatever reason. Oh so good. Yeah. I was I was watching a lot of them this week and Roquan Smith and Kyle Hamilton are game records. They are both very good. And then they've got that that kid, Keaton Mitchell, who like is like 10 yards every time he touches the ball. He's just super fast. That's gonna be a good game, I think. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, so yeah, next week I I will check in. I got to figure out what the the uh, the game schedule is for next week. Uh, oh wait, I have it here. Um, it they play. Oh, they don't play until seven. Oh, so okay. I, we could definitely do uh, our normal. You know, get something in right after. Yeah, the game. yeah right after the cool. game. Game will be done yep. by four four thirty. Oh yeah, we'll get it in. Okay. So yeah, so be be on the lookout for that, and then uh, we will uh, we'll figure out Christmas. I'm pretty sure I can do it. It it just might be a couple of hours after that game rather than immediately, mm-hmm. just because I think we may not even be home, so it'd be sort of gotcha. to travel travel after. But uh, yeah, it'll be fun. Does the you know the season is only a few more games left, and and then we get to uh, we get to what matters, and then then. Then I get a little bit more anxious with some of these games. I just want to take a moment to thank you so much for making that happen today. That was um, completely unexpected, but super appreciated. And I had a blast. So thank you um, and your people for making that happen. Yeah, no. Is uh, when I saw that we had another another chance to uh for for some tickets i was like oh i know who uh, i know who i'm gonna i'm gonna ask but i was kind of bummed because i know that you wanted to see black thought tonight as well and i and you had to sort of pick about which one that you could do but i'm i'm glad i did it was it was i had a blast and i was just i was looking for spots for that were open to see if you could just come sit with us but mm-hmm. that yeah there was, was packed, really man. yeah it was really packed so yeah but those seats were uh, they were great um it, it was it was it was a phenomenal experience i was i was so glad that i was able to do that um because i had the game i you know if i had 
could have made my pick, it would have been like that Ravens game. But yeah, um, Christmas Day was not gonna. It just <laughs> it just wasn't gonna be feasible. Yeah. So I'm glad I'm glad we got a win. And yeah, it was it was great. Thank you again. Awesome. All right. So we are done with this show. We will be back next week after 49ers Cardinals. So for Rod, I am Double G. We will see you when we see you. Peace out. <clears throat> Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.